What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to episode 112 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I am joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Ben? What up, brother? The busy season has commenced. Yes, it has. It has ignited, and it was kicked off this past Friday night from the Belasco Theater as Jesus Sotokaras and Yoshihiro Kamagai kicked things off proper did they absolutely Good God. absolutely errol spence versus chris algeri christoph glavatsky and steve cunningham in the co gary russell jr back in the ring against patrick highland jose pedraza in action along with chad dawson and we have a preview of hbo championship boxing as gennady golovkin triple g returns to the ring against dominic wade roman chocolatito Gonzalez in the co-feature. Nonito Donaire back again in some news and notes. Vin, it doesn't get any uh, lighter from here on out. No, we'll be working overtime, my friend. Absolutely. Overtime it is. Be sure to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast on iTunes today. Get it on Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and you can now listen to the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, The Tale of the Tape, on Google Play. Google Play has launched their podcast platform. We submitted our show, what, three or four months ago, Vin? Yeah. It's been a little bit. And um, they have announced that they are going full war. Google Play, another large platform to disseminate the Pound for Pound King, The Tale of the Tape boxing podcast. Subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. But just remember, if you haven't subscribed yet, keep listening. Spread the word. The Tale of the Tape coming to you weekly with fight previews, reviews, analysis, and we always dive into the world of professional prize fighting with news and notes. Vince, let's kick this thing off to L.A. Fight Club. It wasn't prospects on display per usual. Jesus Sotokaras, Yoshihiro Kamigai, two of boxing's tough guys, two guys that have been to war in the welterweight division, squaring off to headline the L.A. Fight Club. Soto Cross Kamigai. Man, this thing turned out to be pretty much what we thought it would be. Yeah, it was a, an entertaining fight from start to finish. I mean, look, w- w- what you got in those two guys, is it, is it a skill fest? Absolutely not. No. Are, are we seeing brilliant boxing? Nope. We're seeing warriors. We're seeing guys that lay it on the line. They just, they just want to go mano y mano, man. They want to see who can stand in front of them. And take the shot. Who can't? And it, look, I, I feel like the the decision was perfect. Uh, very hard to pick a winner in a fight like that. I mean, they both landed big shots. They both had their moments. It was just a, a you don't get that fight in boxing very often. So when it does come around, you just kind of sit back and enjoy 
a throwback fight, man. Yeah, these are the kind of fights that boxing has been lacking. Yeah. We've had a very few handful, maybe two or three every year, that where you have two fighters that aren't undefeated prospects with so much on the line. Just guys that have been there, done that, willing to take a risk. Yeah, is it a risk because they're at later points in their career, because they've suffered losses, because they've been in battle-tested? At the end of the day, Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy have tried to make true on their promise to deliver the best fights possible within the limits of their roster. They've done it. They've reached across the aisle. They put together Soto Cross versus Kamigai. Tell you what, action-packed. I have a serious problem. I've always had a problem with this faction of, you know, podcasters, journalists, whatever, that just sit and just shit on something because it's not what they have their nose dug deeply uh, in the brown nosing department. Guys like, again, it's the same guys. Mike Coppinger, again, he tweets out and says that he would rather watch a boring fight with two highly skilled guys other than this. That guy doesn't know what he's watching anyways. Uh, I, really, he is one of the most annoying guys that cover the sport. He plays sides. It's it's, it's ridiculous, man. I, I try to tune out whatever that guy says because it's to me it's irrelevant in the sport. If you have a problem with what this fight was, it, 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 look at it on the surface. It is what it is. Everybody knows that. Yes. Let's just go have fun and watch a fight, man. You got a problem with that? This isn't for anything. This oh. fight doesn't mean anything. Right. This isn't this isn't the two pound for pound best fighters in the world. No, it's not. It's two of the best pound for pound tough guys in the world. Yes. And that's dude, I'll take that any day. Get your head out of your ass. Okay? Rarely does boxing just give you little presents. Open your fucking present and be grateful. Yeah, you piece of shit. <laughs> Simple as that, man. Oh man. You it- ungrateful. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's 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 silly to me. Everybody knew what this was when it was announced. This was just a fight that got a little bit of momentum on Twitter. Social media hyped this up. It was just fans talking about what would be a good fight that would entertain us that doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Right. It is Soto Cross versus Comic Guy. It delivered. It was entertaining. Can you ask for anything better for Friday night full of fights? Free? Yeah. On yeah. the internet? Yes. Free stream? Anybody can watch it. Yeah. Come on, give me a break, man. If you got a problem with that, I got a problem with you. Yes, absolutely, man. All right, let's get to the card that everybody watches, especially those that brown nose in this direction. These are the fights that they only pay attention to. Of course. But here we go. Nonetheless, you know, we have been detractors of the PBC. We don't really, uh, we don't really go to, too much into the PBC anymore because we've set our piece. You know, it, it did get a little redundant. We have had much of what we said confirmed by the likes and the research and the diligence and hard work of writers like Thomas Hauser. So we know what we know. So let's enjoy whatever it is that they try to give us as far as good fights are concerned. We know the rest is going to be shit. So don't watch the shit and tune in when they do randomly throw a good one on there. Absolutely, man. Look, uh, I have no problem watching the PBC unfold the way we expect it to. I don't have to say anything about it. I've I've said my piece about what the PBC is. Uh, it's there. I'll tune into the fights. I'm I'm not going to critique what they are anymore because it's plain to see. It's happening right before your eyes. Absolutely, man. And this was a fight we called for a year ago after yeah. Errol Spence had been well into a run against just hapless, not even step-up fights. They were really, really hard to stomach because of the level of competition. Um, always been ranked as he came up through the prospect ranks in our 
top 10 rankings. Now he's obviously after the, taking this fight, regardless of how he performed, he would not be joining next year. He, he, win, lose, or draw, Errol Spence was stepping into title contender status. No more prospect here. So it came down to what we've always wanted to see from Errol Spence. Since. It hasn't been that we've doubted him. We have been harsh critics, but we've only ever wanted Errol Spence to prove it. PBC on NBC, Barclays Center, Errol Spence Jr. takes on Chris Algieri. Multiple times has he contended for titles, has been in with a lot of the toughest and a lot of the best. Takes on what, who some regard to be boxing's top prospect. Spence versus Algieri. Coming into this fight, Vince, before we get to this action here, what exactly were you looking for Errol Spence? What questions did you want him to answer for you to recognize him on that level that we both have always felt he deserves to be on? Uh, look, the, what I wanted to see was a guy that could do more than just completely walk through guys and, ha and have nothing to worry about. That, that's, that was the only question we had and chin coming into this fight. Can this guy adjust? Can he fight? Can he make? Can he make any kind of adjustment in a fight and, and prove to be a guy that can think on his feet against a guy that, that is just as good or maybe better than him? But look, I, I thought this kid proved everything he needed to prove in this fight, Ken. That was a wow performance for me. Very impressive. Very uh, well-rounded. Everything that he did. Now, Algieri did not ask the questions of him, I think, that we that we were hoping to find out about. We saw him. He almost did the same thing he's done against the guys he fought coming up. Yes, yes, which does show the level of pedigree and hype behind him. He's answering those sorts of questions. We know his ability to punch with both hands. Yeah. He can box. He can attack. He's very well-rounded. He does what all of our favorite boxers do. He does a little bit of everything. And he's very, very physically gifted in this division. He is a huge welterweight. Oh, he is, yeah, a physically imposing welterweight for sure. I, 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 he is so thick and so – he's got the build of, of Kel Brook, basically. Two very big guys. I think that's a fight that obviously is – now Spence is a mandatory coming off this win. That would be a great fight. But just speaking on what Spence is, man, I mean, he proved to me in this fight that – he is a man. Uh, he is ready for the best in the division. I don't think there's one guy that you could put him in the ring with any welterweight and say, oh, well, he beats Errol Spence. It's a, it, Errol no. Spence proved that he is ready to compete with the top three in the division, period. That's how I saw it. I, I, I don't know how anybody else saw it. Obviously, people are going to detract. Algieri been in three tough fights in a row, and he's, he's not the same as he was. I'm sorry, he made Algeri look like a pedestrian fighter. Well, Vince, also, let's consider the fact, and, and, and while we're on it, talk about the fact that the announcing crew was trying to uh, basically piggyback off Manny Pacquiao's name during the oh, entire yeah. fight. They were nonstop yeah. comparing what, uh, what Spence was doing to Algeri to what Pacquiao was doing to Algeri. I'll tell you this. This is how I feel, honestly. This takes nothing away from Errol Spence whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you, if Benji Estevez was the referee for Pacquiao versus Algieri, that fight would have been stopped after the second or third knockdown. Uh, yeah, at least after the fourth. Because Algieri I mean, was hurt, but he could have gotten up from Spence. Yeah, he could have. I, I think Spence cracks, man. I think he hits really hard. Bangs, he's, bangs. A, he's a thudding puncher. He is gonna He's going to walk you down with the jab, get you against the ropes, and, dude, he unleashes... 
just these vicious combinations and very accurate. Uh, he does leave his head out there to get teed off on, but it, he's taken chances with his punch, believing that he's going to connect a, and do serious damage. Look, man, th- that dude to me right now, uh, you know, I'm not going to pronounce him the best welterweight in the world by any means, but did he just put the serious fear of God into everybody in the top five of the welterweight division that he's going to have to, you're going to have to think about fighting this guy. Now you, you can't run and hide from Errol Spence. No, no, you cannot. I mean, Errol Spence delivered the, the most well-rounded performance. We have seen him stagnate. We've seen an inability to adapt with him. We've seen all, all the raw abilities, but what we saw in this fight was a total combination, a thoughtful fight. He was very smart, very judicious with the punches that he threw, yep. kept great range. But let's be honest, we have to tell both sides of this story. For as much as we loved Errol Spence in this fight, Chris Algieri did not make Errol Spence answer any questions. Errol Spence against that same skill set with a little bit of power coming from his opponent makes all the difference in the world because there was no punch in the arsenal of Chris Algieri that could offer up any kind of hesitation from Errol Spence. And I think that is a big part in how this fight ended. Yeah. Oh, had, yeah. Had, had Chris Algieri been able to hit Errol Spence with something that would gain his respect, Chris Algieri's boxing ability would have taken this into deep waters. I, I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying there. I, I feel like if you're going to beat Spence, you better be able to stop him in his tracks. You have to be able to punch. Yes, you got to stop him in his tracks. You got to make him think twice about being aggressive because if he gets aggressive and confident and loads up punches, oh, well, you I'm, don't I'm stand sorry. a chance. Yeah, I'm don't. sorry. He's going to back you up and he's going to Assault you, man. Yes. And, the, and that goes for anybody. You know, regardless of how a fight with Kell Brook would go, right. Sean Porter, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, any of these top welterweights, regardless how you play them out in fantasy matchups, the fact remains is this, is that you can be as good as Kell Brook or Keith Thurman or Manny Pacquiao or Timothy Bradley, any of these guys. But if you give an opening for one second that allows Spence to push you back on the ropes where he he will trap you because he's bigger than you. You, I don't care who you are, how good you are. Do I feel that Kell Brook beats Errol Spence? I still do. I still feel this way a little bit. Yeah, but, but tough I t- not to say that. But if Kell Brook flinched for a second, got hit with something that made him wince for a second, and backed off the trigger in his game plan for just a second and allowed Spence to pounce, Spence can beat anybody. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, man. I think that he's the type of fighter that is you're going to have to deter him somehow. If you don't, you're in trouble. Vince, all this conversation, we could talk about Dude, how Errol good Spence. did he cut? How, how did he, he cut off the ring brilliantly, man? Beautifully. It, it, and you know what? He showed early in the fight. In the first round, Algieri was a little bit elusive. Yes. But he solved that riddle very quickly. Oh, yeah. Vince, we've been watching Errol Spence for quite a while, Okay. <laughs> We can talk about all, 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 the, all the things that surround Errol Spence, his rise, all of these welterweights, um, you know, and speculate till we are blue in the face. Errol Spence now defeating Chris Algieri in the manner that he did in a in just a very dramatic stoppage after what was it the third knockdown? Finally, the fight gets stopped. Yeah, but the punishing body attack, Errol Spence right now. How does he fare against the current champions in the welterweight division? Kell Brook, Danny Garcia, and whoever the hell has the rest of the belts in the, in the welterweight division. <laughs> I think I put him as, if not 50-50, slight favorites against a Thurman or a Garcia. I think those are toss-up fights. 
And just based on the fact that, look, we, we still, you know, Spence did this one time. He put everything together and had a great performance against a very good fighter. The, that's not to say that, you know, the next time out against somebody that's a little bit better than Algeri, Spence finds himself in, in tough. But I just think that he's, a, you know, he punches just as hard as Thurman does, in my opinion, after watching that this fight. I, I just think he's a guy that is physically bigger than anybody else. He, he will impose his will if you allow him to. And he's young. He's hungry. I think he's a fighter that looks to his future and looks to a legacy. He seems like that type of guy. When he approaches the sport, he, he's a guy that he, he wants to go down in history. I, I feel like he takes the sport very seriously. Uh, Kel Brook, he put him in against Brook. Look, that's a tough fight because Brook's a big, strong man himself. I'd, I'd like to see who takes the first step back in that fight. But that's a 50-50 fight too, man. Oh, honestly. Yeah. After what we learned about Spence, um, you know, what we know now about the welterweight division, who knows what Amir Khan's involvement will be in any of this. Right. Right. But Kelbrook has the IBF title, Keith Thurman, WBA, Danny Garcia, WBC, and Jesse Vargas with the WBO. That fight, the least likely to take place. Looks like Errol Spence. Kelbrook might get the mandatory. You know what I mean? I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, he uh, but he's going to get the voluntary in between because he just answered his second mandatory defense in his last three fights. Right. So you have to think that the IBF is going to give him one more fight. But doesn't Kel Brook, if he's, look, if he wants to keep that belt, he's going to have to fight Errol Spence. Yeah. Right? Is he going to test himself enough to prepare for Spence? Because if he takes one of these soft patsies that nobody's ever heard of and beats the living daylights out of him, knocks him out in the second round, he will not have been in a serious fight since he won that title from Sean Porter Two years ago. Well, Ken, we're we're hearing little rumblings of of Brooke moving up to one fifty four and, and a possible opponent for Cotto. Now it got pushed back from what would be Cotto's normal June date. I really think that Brooke, before he ever is even forced to get in the ring with Spence, will be fighting at one hundred and fifty four pounds. He's chasing Amir Khan. He's looking for a big name. A big name payday in, is there in Cotto in a very winnable fight. Yeah, absolutely. That that would solidify Kell Brook one hundred percent. There, you know, he beats Cotto. You can't question the man anymore. No, I feel like that's the money move for them, and I feel like that's what they're going to do. I don't think we'll ever see that fight. Spence Brook will never happen, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think your points that you just made, Vince. I think follow the trends of the last four or five years in boxing. I think you're right on point. I don't think you're off with any of that. You know what I mean? I mean, look, you can make the argument for all the other scenarios, but the one you just mentioned makes the most sense considering the threat that looms mm-hmm. and the money that Kell Brook thinks he deserves to make. You're not going to make that much money in a Spence fight. You fight Cotto, you're going to make a few mil. Oh, absolutely. He'll make four or five million bucks, yeah. maybe more. Yep. Maybe more. You'll be on pay-per-view. Yeah, man. Absolutely, man. Look, Spence delivered. Um, He has all the questions you've heard in all of our prospects episodes. Anytime this kid has fought, there's always been questions. All of my questions have been answered, Vince, except the one you mentioned in the intro. Can his chin hold up against guys that can punch? Because what we have seen, Errol Spence has not been in the ring with anybody, anybody that resembles a puncher. No, no. Hopefully they're not hiding a little secret there, huh? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, at this point in, in, in his career, considering the fight he just came off with Al- Algeria, you would think he would have been in with a puncher. Yeah. At he, this point. He really hasn't. No. Any other prospect at this level has been. Yeah. You know? 
Julian Ramirez has been announced to fight Abraham Lopez on the undercard of Salido Vargas. Yeah, I can't believe they put that together. That's that's a I mean, I love it. Yeah. Uh, they obviously showing what Golden Boy does. But two undefeated prospects yeah. that they're very high on. Yeah, you think Al Heyman does that? No. No, 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 but that's just it. I mean, look, if you look at their records, they're very comparable to where Spence is in his career. Yeah. Right? And yeah. you're seeing these Golden Boys guys getting thrown to the fire. And I guarantee you, Errol Spence may be the truth, like his name says, mm-hmm. right? And he may go all the way to the top, unify titles, and be everything. That'll be just based off of pure skill and ability alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Because sometimes that supersedes whoever you're fighting against. You could be a Floyd Mayweather type and just be better than everybody else. You know what I mean? But guys like Julian Ramirez and Abraham Lopez, these guys are super talented, but at the same time they have flaws. And they know and Golden Boy knows that one of these guys is going to be valuable. Whoever comes out alive, there'll be hunger, there'll be pride, there'll be undefeated records in the next level at stake. So when they get to that higher echelon, they compete for a title for the first time because both these guys are talented enough too. Guess what? They'll be battle tested, so those flaws that they have will be a little bit more hidden yeah. than from a fighter like Marcus Brown, who we're about to get here, a guy that hadn't been in with anybody, never battle tested. Guess what? His flaws get exposed. Ugh. Errol Spence, I think, the hype, Vince, tells me that he has enough ability, power pedigree just pure meant to box i was born to do this inside of him that i think that he will overcome whatever flaws may be there yeah i i agree 100 percent. he proved to be a true contender and a guy that i look forward to i'm sorry i i feel like he's going to be the best welterweight in the world within two years he's going to have two three belts in that division and his fights are must watch yes they are he's exciting he's a fighter he is a that is, you know what? He's not, he, he boxes, but he is a fighter. He goes for it, man. And that's where the level of respect comes from Spence, not just answering the questions, but a newfound level of respect because you can see it inside of him. In an era where fighters are all about the paper and not about the glory, mm-hmm. Errol Spence is a fighter. Terrence Crawford is a fighter. They are cut from the same mold as Manny Pacquiao yeah. and those Rafa Marquez, Israel Vasquez. These guys, Mark Antonio Barrera, ballers from the past, very few of them today, but I think Errol Spence is on his way. I agree. All right, Christoph Glavatsky versus Steve Cunningham for the WBO Cruiserweight title. Glavatsky's first show since injuring himself in the runner-up for fight of the year, the PBC fight of the year, as he took on perennial linchpin Marco Hook. Hurts his hand, takes a little bit of time off. Steve Cunningham gets the obligatory in the, I guess, as they wait for Alexander Usyk's shadow to consume them. (laughs) Glavatsky versus Cunningham opens the card on TV. Glavatsky, Vin, I got to tell you this. I know I predicted Glavatsky to do the deal here on Cunningham. Mm -hmm. Glavatsky was more impressive, more patient in this fight. His counterpunching, his fucking left-hand counter. Brutal. Oh, it is deadly. He looked so much smaller than Steve Cunningham. Christoph Glavatsky just showed me in this victory over Steve Cunningham that he's going to give Usyk all he has. Oh, I, absolutely. I don't think it's going to be easy. I just I just think in that matchup, Usyk's the better boxer. But in this fight, you're exactly right. Steve Cunningham looked like a monster compared to him. Yes. Cunningham looks huge at cruiserweight. And I think he's a better fighter there. Sure. I, I think he could have a career at cruiserweight. And be in some good fights. Uh, 
I don't think his career is over. He showed pretty well in this fight. He all, I mean, the, the guy's heart is unquestionable. Oh, I mean, Kowalski hurt him a couple times. Oh my God. Ah. And Cunningham's legs look to be on the verge of being gone as far as he had a hard time staying. It's like he can get up. It's just a matter of mentally he can get up. It's just a matter of if his legs, how much longer they can take it. Well, Cunningham is one of Al Heyman's oldest clients. Yeah. So he's been getting obligatory paydays. You know, you you were here with me. He earned. He's earned that, though, in his career. No doubt. Yeah. I do not deny that whatsoever. So that that I guess that raises the question to me. Um, is he going to continue? Because I think if he does continue on, I think that he will get more obligatory paydays. I think he'll be well-paid. You'll see him two or three times a year. But he will, after this fight, Vince, four knockdowns from Christoph Glavatsky, a dominant performance overall. Um, 39 years old. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to take that into consideration. I think Steve Cunningham will never compete. He may get another shot just because he's with Heyman, yeah. but he will never compete for another title. No, if he if he's getting a shot, that's complete luck and probably a shot that he doesn't deserve. But he can be a journeyman and be well paid for it if he wants to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you do have to look at after that fight for him with the four knockdowns and a lot of big shots on top of those knockdowns. You know, a 39 year old man, you got to be careful at, you know, mentally where he's going to be later on in life i'm sure he's got to earn he's got to get some bread he's got to earn money he's not a he's not a fighter that's made millions upon millions of dollars in his career no i mean he's definitely made millions overall yes but how much money did it cost to get his daughter healthy again? exactly you know what i mean he's got a pretty big family yep seems to have a very close-knit family they're in full support but I tell you what, man, Christoph Glavatsky, I love this guy. I fell, oh. in, I fell in love with him in the hook fight. I think he has unbelievable power for his size because he's not a big cruiserweight. I, I think he's a can't-miss fighter. I mean, it, his skill is there. He's not the most skillful, skillful fighter in the world. He's kind of a little off, offbeat. He get, likes to get low, shoot from down low, shoot lead in with that left, which is ridiculous. I, I feel like he doesn't jab. His jab is a lead left. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's ridiculous, man. And when he launches those overhand punches and they look wild and they look out of control, dude, they're fucking accurate, man. Yeah. And, and he will put it on your chin, and he is a big-time puncher, dude. I, I do think that, that it's only a matter of time. The way he fights, somebody's going to get him. And if he doesn't get them first, whoever his opponent is, is going to get him late in the fight because I do think he gets – a little sloppy and a little slow, nine ten on. Yeah, and that's where I think Usyk takes control in the fight. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Because Christoph Glavatsky's, if he's going to keep this belt, he's going to have to honor his mandatory against our number one prospect, prospect of the year twenty fifteen, Alexander Usyk. Usyk is almost six foot four. Mm-hmm. He has superior reach, superior boxing ability. I'd say their power is relatively equal. Yeah. Um, but I'm telling you right now, Christoph Glavatsky will get tinged oh, yeah. to death. He will get picked apart by the steady barrage of heavy. Uh, dude, Usyk is nonstop activity. He never stops fainting, twitching, or punching. Yeah, there, there's not a cruiserweight that boxes like he boxes. And possesses, he boxes like a featherweight. Yeah, and possesses cruiserweight power on top of it. It's going to be very hard for Glavatsky to deal with. I just feel like Usyk wears him down over the course of six, seven rounds, and cumulative damage, eight, nine, ten, 
stoppage, man. Yeah, because when the moment comes, Usyk has the power to deliver. Absolutely. But he doesn't go out there flailing or winning no. punches. He will jab you to your throat until you submit. Oh, he, he's a cerebral fighter, fighter for a guy that is a prospect still. Yeah, absolutely. Out of out of look, Errol Spence, Oscar Valdez, Jojo Diaz, Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk on the horizon, Callum Smith, all of our prospects from the last two years on the tail of the tape are now have risen to the level of title contender. It's some of them champions. Vince, I was thinking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. The 2016 prospect list is going to have maybe one or two guys coming back on it. We are going to have to find yeah. eight more prospects to fill out the list. That's I'll, all right. And I'll tell you who I like, and I could put them anywhere from one to ten. Who's right? that? Is Edgar Valerio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy is. Whew. And he is the youngest and most inexperienced of the bunch. Man, yeah. I, his name wasn't on my mind, but you, you're exactly right. That kid is something special. Pretty much man. guaranteed to make the top ten. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's got five fights. Yeah. Hey, look. You, I see what I see. You see what you see. That yeah. kid is unbelievable. I'd like to put Gavazdich on there, but I feel like he's going to have already fought for a title by the end of the year. Yeah, he's going to be in a mandatory or an eliminator at that point. Watch, in time. he's going to fight Kovalev in Russia. You're probably right. This summer. Why not? Hell, oh, that would be an awesome. Thing. Oh my god, that'd be really dangerous for Kovalev. That's super. If he does that before a ward fight, yeah. Whew. Yeah, yeah uh, it's real dangerous. Names like Agidius Kalvalauskas. There's many names on the horizon. Yep. Robert Easter Jr., Javante Davis. Dude, they're all over, and that's just mentioning maybe five or six in the top 25 that are fighting right now. Yeah, there's there's no shortage of, of good young fighters in boxing at all at the moment. <sighs> young boxers, pedigree, hype, it all comes. It, it goes. Some, some meet the standard. Some never do. Marcus Brown, a guy that was on the 2012 Olympic team, U.S. Olympic team, with Errol Spence in the walkout bout, okay, comes out and, and takes on an undefeated fighter in Radvujay Kalajic. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, dude, but I'll tell you right now, this was a fight that a fighter was delivered a gift decision marcus brown the hometown fighter came out in the first round and look he just reminded me of andre durrell <laughs> beautiful upright fast lead jab one two nice fast straight right but as soon as his opponent radijave rat brad dojavaji rad ass rad ass no hot rod hot <laughs> rod he had the hot rod just like roddy roddy piper on his trunks yeah <laughs> uh once the hot rod put the pressure on him, man marcus brown's feet became clumsy he began to hold excessively he was warned like 30 times during the fight never deducted given a gift knockout on a fa- a knockdown on a phantom punch and absolutely look people were calling for instant replay after this. Right. Because that's the difference in the decision, really. But Marcus Brown, oh my gosh, he could not handle nothing special. An ounce of pressure, Vince. He is nothing special. He he will never amount to more than a he may enter the top ten and he may work his way to a shot just based on where he is, where he's placed as a fighter in the PBC and get a lucky shot somehow. But, man, he, he poses no threat to anybody inside the top five. I mean. What about Adonis Stevenson? I mean, honestly, like, I think Stevenson would knock him out within four rounds. Stevenson would destroy him, absolutely destroy him. Uh, that kid, he's too. That's a problem with a lot of fighters. Like you mentioned, Andre Durrell, 
they're too flat-footed. They, so when they're moving, yeah, they can get away. They can run. When they're on the run, they can move. They're fast. But when they're having to move while being while having their feet planted and in an exchange or boxing at distance, they're not on their toes enough. So they don't get the hell out of the way quick enough. They're, they're, they're just too damn flat-footed, man. Yeah. Fast hands and flat feet is going to get you beat. I'm sorry. Blat out. Sadate wadata. Oh, man. All right. Let's keep on trucking here. As uh, we finish up the post fights, we go to Showtime Championship Boxing. Saturday night, Gary Russell Jr. takes on Patrick Highland. Russell returns to the ring. Man, this guy cannot find his way to the ring against Patrick Highland, a fight that we predicted against, uh, let's put him against the slow white guy yeah. and see what happens. A lot of people coming out of this Gary Russell versus Patrick Highland fight with this new refreshed just a world beater mentality about Gary Russell. What did you learn from watching Russell versus Highland? You watched it a few times. Yeah, I watched it twice. Gary Russell's a fighter that I like personally. I'm look, he he's he every time you watch him, it's hard to not be wowed by what the kid can do just based on hand speed. Oh yeah. That he's got a quick ass jab. When he unloads combinations, they are a blur. Still with this guy three times in two years, third fight in two years for him. W- what are we doing with this kid's career? Why are we putting him in against guys that we know this is going to happen? Obviously, yes. Highland is not athletically inclined enough to compete no. with Gary Russell Jr. Absolutely not. I also, on the other side of, you know, Gary Russell Jr. gets critiqued heavily because he got handled by Lomachenko. I also think that people need to don't judge him so hard on that fight because Lomachenko may be the best fighter in the world. Maybe. I, I mean, and, and the fact that, you know, there was a bullshit card that scored at a draw, which obviously anybody who watched saw that it was at least. Ah, Lisa Jampa. Yeah. What does she know? I, that She's been screwing up cards for a decade. Oh, easy. Terrible. Easy. But he was at least in the fight. He's done better than anybody else has done against Lomachenko. Sansa. 180-pound Salito or whatever the <laughs> hell he weighed when, when he beat Lomachenko. Uh, Gary Russell is a kid that I think could be in some great fights. Sure. Put him in with the, with the best in the division. Outside of Lomachenko, Vin, he has fought nobody. No. Give me Santa Cruz. Russell Jr. and Santa Cruz would be an unbelievable fight. Why are we not getting it? I don't know. He doesn't fight often enough for one. No. And he's had one real fight his entire career. I mean, dude. It's just a few fights ago that he was in with Christopher Martin. We just saw a prospect in Julian Ramirez beat. I mean, come yeah, on, man. Yeah, very, very piss poor matchmaking with this guy, man. I read an article that Gary Russell said before this fight, Vince, that he only wanted to fight four or five more times. That's that's insane. He's 27 and has fought one real fight in his one real fight. He got worked. I must be confused. It's a, I mean, I, he didn't make that much in this last fight. I don't. I think it was 220k or something like that. He's not made a ton of money. How is he retiring? This falls into the same conversation as the treatment by fans and media about Guillermo Rigondiao and Andre Ward. It. This is not about 
your skill level. Your skill level keeps you relevant. Yes. But you have to talk about everybody, regardless of how talented Gary Russell is. When guys like Mikey Garcia and Gary Russell Jr., Andre Ward, these guys that take these long extended layoffs or cannot get in the ring, we're seeing this with Nicholas Walters. He can't fight enough. He can't get him in the ring enough because he thinks that he is worth a certain dollar amount. Well, guess what? If he disappeared, nobody would care because he doesn't have that big of a fan base. Gary, no. Gary Russell Jr. falls into this same category. He can be all these people that were so wowed by this performance against Highland. They can email, tweet, what, say whatever they want to us about how impressed they were with Gary Russell Jr. Guess what? Fight somebody who will fight back. Fight somebody that is relatively near, relatively near your skill level. But he has not done this his entire career. Now, all of a sudden, he wants a rematch with Lomachenko. He knows that's not going to happen. It's not a smart move for him. It's just not. He's going to beat you again, son. How about fighting one of the other top 10 featherweights, which you've never fought? Fight Abner Morris. That would that would even be I mean give me that at least. Jeez, man. I don't know. I mean all the ability, the wow, everything that surrounds this guy. He looks great against guys that he's supposed to beat, not only supposed to be, should be beating on the way up. Does he fight often enough to take two steps backwards after the Lomachenko fight? No. Beating up an old Mexican who had been knocked out multiple times and beating up on an Irishman who Nobody had really heard of, and let's not say really, nobody in the United States had heard of Highland prior to this fight. No, uh, I mean, I'd know, I know the name, but I, I, I don't know who Patrick Highland is as a fighter. I, I haven't followed him. He's not worth following. He's, he's just not a guy that's good enough. Uh, there's, only, there's enough fighters in boxing and not enough time to know fucking everybody, dude. Yeah. It's impossible. I, I just think that, look, Gary Russell at this point in his career should have been in Three, four, five. If he wanted to, look, he got knocked out and he got beat by Lomachenko badly. If they wanted to bring him on this path against no names that he's been, that he's been in the ring, ring against since then, they should have done it quickly. They should have done those three in one year. Yes. And then, okay, yes, we have rebuilt the confidence. He's back. It's time for another shot. But no, it takes two years. He's on the same progression path based off a of quality of fights and resume, as Errol Spence is. Yeah, that's ridiculous. He, he's uh, two years ahead of him. And Gary Russell's 27 years old and says he only wants to fight five more times. He, look, here's the thing. I don't care how good you are. I don't even care how relevant you are. If you're good, I'll watch you, right? Here's the thing, though. If Gary Russell comes out and says, ah, I'm only going to fight four or five more times over the next five years, why am I going to tune in for this guy? Yeah. There's, so what you're basically telling us is, I don't have any plans for the future. I'm just going to try and make a little bit of money and get out. Well, then I'm not going to tune in for any of your fights because it's not leading anywhere. No, yeah, unless you're going to fight the four best in the division and beat them all and retire, uh, which is not going to happen. You're just not going to do that. Yeah, what, what's the point? I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're putting a, an end date on your career for no reason now and, and making fights irrelevant. Why would you do that? This doesn't make any sense. No, it makes no sense. But here's the thing, though, right? What are you, Sugar Ray Leonard? No, you're not. You're not going to retire at 30. No, Sugar Ray Leonard at, at, at his age was already a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
but look, let's let let's bring this into consideration. Okay, so let's say Gary Russell Jr. gets an opportunity to unify against Lee Selby. Okay, so what? He unifies, right? Okay, then you have the other belts that are out there in the division. Well, if Lomachenko, which he has a a fight signed to fight for the 130 pound title, that belt becomes mandatory. The number one challenger for the 126 pound WBO belt is Oscar Valdez. So what? You going to step in and, f- and fight Val- Valdez? I mean, honestly, are you yeah. going to do that? Do you want that fight against that kid? I don't think they do you want to unify fight. that. Be- so what's he going to do? Is he going to fight Selby, Santa Cruz, Frampton, uh, uh, Oscar Valdez, all in succession, and then hang it up and say, <laughs> ah, I made it all the way through that. Guess what? Because if he fought those four guys, he'd probably come out two and two, three and one at the best. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right. I think he- And that's not bad. No, absolutely not. Do it. I will. I will not look at you any worse of a, because let's just say he does that and he loses to Valdez and he loses to Santa Cruz. Okay, big deal. If you fought well, which I think he's not going to get destroyed no. by any of them, but you beat Lee Selby, which I think that Lee Selby is probably the one fighter that I would say that holds a belt at that division that I can definitively say I think Gary Russell Jr. could beat him. But it would not be easy. No, and I Gary, agree with you. Uh, that would be the only that would be the only fighter right now. But uh, those other fights are very very questionable. Yeah, yeah. You know, look if but like I just said, Vince, not to backtrack too far. If Gary Russell Jr. decides that that's going to be his schedule, that he's going to fight four or five more fights, and he decides to take on four or five more fights against the likes of Patrick Highland. I have zero interest, yeah. and the ratings will reflect it. Absolutely. Because the only people that are watching Showtime Boxing anymore, anyways, based off of their television figures, 11, are, are diehard boxing fans. 11 o'clock on the East Coast, man. Uh, he didn't step in the ring till midnight. East Coast fighter, too. Yeah. Makes no sense. None. Jose Pedraza versus Stephen Smith. Smith of the Fighting Smiths. IBF Junior Lightweight title on the line. Pedraza, classic boxer. Stephen Smith, we know his pedigree. His pedigree is this. I have a tough chin. I will be in there, and I will give it all I have. You will wail on me if you are superior athletically or in the boxing department. Jose Pedraza both very early in the fight, then the second round in particular before the devastation happens a little bit later. Pedraza's second round in that fight was superb. Yeah, look, he's just too good of a boxer for Swifty, just too good. Tough guy, man. I, I give it to all the Smith fighters. They're tough guys. They're technically sound fighters, family of fighters. I, dude, I love that. That's, that's cool as hell. But they're just, they get in against world-class talent, and, and it just shows where they are. I mean, they're very well-trained guys, but they're just not, they don't possess the physical abilities to compete. They have the tools. They just don't have the physical abilities to implement those tools against the best in the world. No. Not at that level. They'll be there. They'll grind. They'll be tough. Yeah. But Jose Pedraza, as I predicted in the lead up to this fight, just a superior fighter. I yep. am surprised that Pedraza didn't stop Smith because I knew that he was going to land the kind of shots that he did. Mm-hmm. We know he drops him in the ninth round. Pedraza was pinpoint. His big shots were devastating in the fight. Just really not enough there to 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 stop Smith. Most predicted along the lines of what you said, Vince, about Smith's just his granite chin, where he comes from. He's well-trained. He's in shape. He's there to fight. Just didn't possess the skills against the taller, rangier, 
vastly superior. A natural boxer. Natural boxer. Absolutely, Vin. Couldn't have said it any better. Jose Pedraza does the deal, defends. Um, you know what? He has gripes with his the way that he's promoted. Mm-hmm. Pedraza thinks that he should be way out in front of Verdejo in the way that he is promoted. Well, guess what, Jose? Hate to break it to you. You decided to sign with Lou DiBella, and Verdejo decided to sign with Bob Arum. Whatever you think about him, Bob Arum, the greatest promoter in the history of this sport. Absolutely. He's going to put you in a way better position in your career than Lou DiBella's. That's period. Before, Lou DiBella without Al Heyman is Sergio Martinez and not much else. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. And he got lucky with Martin, and that was all Martinez is doing because DiBella didn't do him any favors. He took a shot on a, on a guy that showed some talent, but yes. that was a risk when he signed Martinez. Sure, but had, had Martinez signed with top rank, he probably would have gotten a title shot 10 fights prior. He may have. You, you're exactly right. He wouldn't right. have fought 40 fights in fucking Spain and Argentina. He probably wouldn't have been fighting Paul Williams to get a shot at a title either. No. <laughs> they no, would have given him a little bit, little bit easier matchup. You're exactly right. I think Pedraza's underappreciated. I, I think he looked a little shaky in his last fight. Um, so, you know, there will be detractors. You know, you get very limited primetime U.S. slot. Uh, you get on there and, and you, you don't deliver on the hype and you bore a little bit. There's going to be some haters. But mm-hmm. I've always been behind Pedraza's pedigree. We listen to a lot of the Puerto Rican guys out there that call into these boxing podcasts that have firsthand knowledge, cover him, are really high on Pedraza. And they ask the same question that Pedraza does. But sometimes it is all about who you sleep with. Pedraza defeats Smith, defends the IBF junior lightweight title. Your boy. Sad Chad Dawson. I, I forgot that he fought, man, honestly. Returned against Cornelius White. Cornelius. Knocks him out. He's 3-3 three and three in his last six and has looked horrendous against anybody that, you, <laughs> that you've ever heard of. Is this a real comeback, or is Chad Dawson just getting some paycheck? Clock, clocking hey. Clock in the time. Clock, clock some more paychecks. That's fine. I, I understand. It's a fighter. He's, this is what he does for a living. He's got to make some money. Uh, he peaked at beating Hopkins, and after that has not been the same fighter since Andre Ward destroyed him. I feel bad for the guy because if you look back at that fight against Hopkins and what was a boring-ass fight, because uh, Hopkins made it that way because he had no choice. He could not box with Dawson. But Dawson looked so good. Yeah. It's just amazing to see how quickly he fell off the shelf, man. I mean, that was a guy that had serious talent. Yeah. Going into that fight against Andre Ward, that was a close to a 50-50 fight, man. Chad Dawson was not a slouch by any means in his career at that point in time. No, but honestly, Vince. I, how did he get to here? That's crazy. Look, look, looking back on it in hindsight, this is one of these cases you can evaluate it much more failure fairly looking back at it. Mm-hmm. I think Chad Dawson was struggling to make 175. Yeah. He had the opportunity to take this fight. And I think the process, the rumors of the timing in the camp while he's trying to cut down to 168 about him getting knocked out during sparring. I think the weight loss process in trying to make 168 set him up for failure. And I think he was punished for doing so. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with that. That could have had long-term effects, too. And not, sure. Not just in that fight. That could have been career-changing. Sometimes people will do extreme things to get what they want. Right. And I think that he saw, he felt very highly of himself. Oh, he's going after the best, too. Absolutely. But, you know, as uh, as the story goes, 
um, the, the bottom does tend to fall out. It may happen soon. Yeah. It may happen later. Uh, but for Sad Chad Dawson, we'll, we'll call him Bad Chad. We'll give him some props. He won his fight. Um, all right, Vince, that'll do it for all of the post fights. It's time to enter the realm of the pound for pound kings as we have a double header coming from the forum in Inglewood, California. Gennady Golovkin, Triple G, returns to Inglewood. HBO Championship Boxing takes on Dominic Wade and defends his unified IBF and WBA middleweight championship. Triple G versus Dominic Wade. Give it to me. Uh, Here's what I'll say about this fight before I even say anything technically about the action that's going to happen in the ring. I feel like Golovkin's going to destroy this kid and we're going to come out of this fight and you're going to see more Golovkin hate than you have ever seen prior to this. <laughs> I agree. People, people are going to jump all over this because the people who like me and you who know what this fight is on the surface, it's not, this isn't Golovkin cherry picking. This is Golovkin not being able to get a fight with basically before, even if you want to go far back to the, when Sergio was a lineal champion and avoiding him, then Cotto, he spent two years being avoided by the lineal champion, two, three years in the division. This is what he gets when he gets his belts. Uh, he's, he's taking his mandatories. Chavez dodged him. And, and people get pissed because he doesn't want to go up or down or who, wherever to fi- fight somebody. The guy has a goal of unifying the middleweight division for the first time since Bernard Hopkins. You can't say that to these retards out there they, that fucking worship the fact of how much money these guys there make. There is no true unified champion in boxing anywhere. This guy wants to do that. Back the fuck off. Like, what? The, <laughs> are you retarded? Just because this guy, just because everybody likes him, there's, there's obviously you're going to have your immediate detractors that are just contrarian yeah, contrarian assholes that it's like come on man i'm not even going to listen to you you don't even believe what you're saying you just want to argue you cannot question what this guy is and i'm just i just know it's coming after this fight man and it's going to piss me off to know i'm gonna have to not get get on twitter i'm gonna because i I don't want to get involved in it these people are idiots yeah absolute morons they're the ones that say billy joe saunders will knock out triple g in six rounds right while Billy Joe Saunders in the background is saying, um, I'm not ready. Oh you, oh, you are fighting Dominic Wade on April 23rd? Oh, yeah, now I'm ready. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, I'll take you on whenever you want. What, you're busy? Oh, now's the time. <laughs> oh, give me a fucking break, I man. I know, man. Triple G, Dominic Wade agree 100%. This is going to be a devastating knockout dominic wade is suspect struggled mightily with sam solomon a fight that i scored in favor of the awkward and dreadful to watch sam solomon that was a bad fight man i know his his balls dangle to his knees but is there that's probably why he's got bad knees honestly because his fucking nuts have been banging him against his kneecaps for all these years but dominic wade is stepping in with something much much more I, i i look for golovkin to clip him early Vince, I'm calling it right now so we can get to the real story here after this fight. I'm just going to go ahead and get it over with. I'm calling a second-round devastating knockout, and I would not be surprised if this thing lasted longer than 30 seconds. Utah, give me two because I'll take the same prediction. (laughs) I'm sorry. For Triple G's, I I hope that he doesn't play games and tries to give people their money's worth and make it last no, four or five. Get just this guy out of there. Blast him out of there, please. You'll be better off just to do that. 
your your hype still builds. Uh, I, there's no reason to play with this kid. Like we've heard him say after fights, like oh, I just you know I just wanted to play around a little bit. Let him hit me. No, come on, no, just get this kid out of there and let's move on. <laughs> so then let's move on. Yeah, Danny Jacobs, Billy Joe Saunders, absolutely. Any of these guys going to step up? I mean, David Lemieux has stepped up. Um, I'm just really, really concerned about the mental welfare of the of the majority of prize fighters in the top 10 ranked in any division, but especially a division where guys tout themselves in their own narcissistic little tiny bubbles. They all hype themselves so they're just like, oh, let me put this shield up and deflect everything. I'm way better than him, even though you know, and I've said it, it's been documented, I have no desire to step in the ring with this guy's Vince, Gennady Golovkin, is so far above and beyond better than anybody at 160 pounds. Part of me, even though I, gosh, I just want to rip it out of me, tells me that, ah, you know what, these guys are just not that good. They're just kind of scared. Yeah. Man the fuck up. You yeah. are a professional prize fighter. Do what you have to do. I don't want to see do do round and rounds. I don't care about Chris Eubank Jr., Billy Joe Saunders. You know what, I have respect for Danny Jacobs. The only one that I have the most respect for in this entire division, I'll give him two. Give me Gabe Rosado and David Lemieux all day long because they had the nuts and the likes of Martin Murray, who will be fighting George Groves that yes, was announced. Yes, Right? Martin Murray at the time, a top three middleweight in the world. Matthew Macklin, a top ten middleweight in the world. Daniel Gill, a top ten former champion in the middleweight division. He has stepped in the ring with many of those that have held belts. And mm-hmm. guess what? dispatched all of them. And those that currently rise to the top think their stock is too high to step in the ring with Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. I'm getting tired of playing the middle road here, Vin. I'm getting tired of trying to sit here and 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 be nice to these guys that do not have the balls. I'm saying it right here on episode 112 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, middleweight division, you are on notice. Step into the ring with the best and challenge yourself, or we will not, and the listeners of this show will not tune in to your nonsense. Step up to the plate and fight the best. Gain some respect. You're not Danny Garcia. If you want to be Danny Garcia, you'll be treated like Danny Garcia. And we're sick and tired of having to talk about fucking Danny Garcia. Absolutely, man. I'll tell you what I'm tired of. More than anything in this sport right now, that is, it's driving me fucking insane, man. It's just driving me crazy. When you earn a belt and become a champion, you cannot back away from fighting anybody. You cannot say, I'm not ready for a fight. I'm sorry. No, you're, you're a champion. You fight whoever, whenever, wherever. Isn't that what the champion does? This day and age of champions, that are they get a belt and say, oh, well, you know, I, I was ready to play champion, but I, I still need, you know, a couple, couple rounds in the, in the sandbox against some, some youngsters that can't do anything against me and can't challenge me because I'm not ready to step up against a guy like Golovkin. I'm sorry. Once you are a champion... Everything is fair game. You cannot back down from another champion. You cannot hide because you think you're not. If you're not ready, then drop the goddamn belt. Yeah. You shouldn't be a champion. Fine. Go uh, submit an application at Home Depot. <laughs> I mean, seriously, why are you fighting? Right. You know, winning a belt in the middleweight division 
is not like entering the cheat code on Contra and getting <laughs> unlimited lives. You did not just find the level 7 shield on Zelda, and now you can fucking hide behind it. You know? Look, we've been talking about this from time and time again. Those who want to bash Gennady Golovkin, fine. You've already been mute. I, I don't even want to hear what you have to say here, okay? Until these guys grow a pair of balls, this guy... Triple G Gennady Golovkin, based off the fact that he's one of the three best fighters in the world, hands down, inarguable, okay? Triple G Gennady Golovkin gets a get-out-of-jail-free pass until some fucking sacks drop. <laughs> I love it. I'm a, let's end it there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the pound-for-pound pound king. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez joins the show. It's the tandem. It's like Tyson and Chavez of old. Yeah, I know. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. Vince squares off against McWilliams Arroyo. Before we get to the action in this fight, which I think is going to be a good one, is there a better fighter alive today than the 100 and some odd little bit, maybe a little bit over 115-pounder flyweight champion of the world, the lineal ring and WBC flyweight champion of the world, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. Is there anyone better? Bang for your buck, pound for pound. Absolutely not, man. You, as long as you can look past the fast, uh, look past the fast. You're going to look <laughs> look past the fact that he's a little guy because, you know, a lot of times these guys don't get respect in the sport just because they're so small. People just, they bear, their heads barely stick over the ropes. Yeah. But the way this guy operates, it is... Technically, he is one of, honestly, people are going to may hate on this. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. He's one of the most technically sound fighters I've ever seen and one of the most technically sound fighters probably ever, man. Oh, absolutely. Put him in the top 25 at least, easily in the top 50, even though that's a ridiculous list to even try and make. The guy is simply is unbelievable. Vince, he is on a pathway he's on a trajectory to potentially go 50 and 0 and on the pace to make that 50 and 0 with 44 43 knockouts absolutely right? he is on the path to this people want to talk about mayweather's accomplishments this that and the other roman chocolatito gonzalez possesses everything that mayweather had about him except a whole nother dimension the offensive game the defensive game is in an aggressive posture you will never hit him square because he is always rolling and bouncing. He's in and out. Never squares his shoulders to the targets. Operates on the tippy tips of his toes. My boy is bouncing all over the place. His range, his devastating knockout power is unmatched in this division. Juan Francisco Estrada is one of the 10 best fighters in the world. No arguing this. No. Estrada entering a rematch against Gonzalez potentially at the end of this year. I'm telling you right now, Vin. Estrada will be a, a significant underdog in a fight that on skill alone, just natural what I'm born with alone, should be a 50-50 fight. Oh, Gonzalez probably be three to one favorite in that fight. Gonzalez may end up beating him again in similar fashion, maybe even in more convincing fashion. Mm -hmm. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez at the age of 28, there is no better fighter all around. Some people love Andre Ward as number one, Triple G, Sergey Kovalev. Everybody has their favorites, mm -hmm. right? I'm sorry. I think right now, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez would pretty much embarrass a guy like Rigo. I think he would just absolutely. He would you put him on an equal playing field yes. size wise. One, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, man. I think the best fight you put him on an equal playing field size wise. I want to see Gonzalez Lomachenko, man. 
Would it, <laughs> that would be a chess match right there, my friend. That would be crazy. Yeah. Seriously. No, you, that, you could have guys standing in the corner with a, a blue flag and a red flag, like in the fucking karate kid, like raising for points. <laughs> because when they land, oh, yeah. they're going to land. Uh, that'd be a tough, tough fight to score, man. Chocolatito Gonzalez steps into this fight, then many still waiting for the just just the mouth-watering rematch against Juan Francisco Estrada, especially as much as we've seen Estrada improve. Enters this fight against McWilliams Arroyo. Not the sexiest pick in the world. McWilliams Arroyo, his career has not matched his pedigree or mm-hmm. his skill level. Here's what I do know about McWilliams Arroyo. Takes risks, boy. Yes, he has the pedigree, he has the skill set, and he's a very powerful puncher, and Vince just hit it on the head. He goes balls to the wall. Yeah, he. there's no fear in this kid. Uh, he's going to make it an interesting fight. This fight is not going to go 12 rounds. More than likely, Arroyo's going to run into too many punches, but along the way, we may see him possibly hurt Chocolatito. That's not out of the question in this fight. It, it is not. Uh, Arroyo will bring it, and it will make this fight fun. I think this will be the best fight of the night. It'll be entertaining for five, six rounds before yes. it's over. So, your prediction. I'm going to say Chocolatito TKO6. Chocolatito TKO6. Yeah. I'm just going to have to go with maybe a third or a fourth rounder here. Ooh. Yeah. You know what, man? The You're beat pro- down. I, look, I feel like when Chocolatito is pressed, when he's pressured, when he is put against it and the heat is on him, he has an answer for everything. Oh, yeah. Absolutely everything. I'm looking forward to this fight. I agree with you. I think it'll be the best fight of the night because. Triple G is going to destroy Dominic Wade. Yeah, don't blank in that fight. No, do not blank whatsoever. All right, man, let's keep on trucking. Let's move across to the Philippines. A guy that's been featured on HBO Championship Boxing prior. Nonito Donaire, the WBO junior featherweight champion in action against Zolt Badak. Nonito Donaire, let's ask this, Vince. He looked I don't know, a little old, but he looked fantastic because of the action that was delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, was very elusive early on, and then an absolute war just came out of nowhere against Cesar Juarez in one of the ballsiest performances of 2015. The last, I, I guess, consideration for a fight of the year candidate awesome fight. that came to us in December. Zolt Badak, okay? He's going to be tough. He's going to be there. No neither Donaire is probably going to look good early. Can Donaire finish this or... Is the Donaire we saw against Juarez going to be the same Filipino flash against Badak? Uh, look, I'm, I'm not sure you know, how good Badak's chin is. Uh, I know he's a fighter that has mainly fought in Hungary and is not a guy that has been in any really tough fights ever. I think we're going to see Donaire, and, and a guy that you look at his record, I think he's got like uh, single-digit knockouts. He's got eight knockouts in 26 fights. So he's not a guy that Donaire's going to have to worry about getting hurt by. Much along the lines of Juarez. Juarez was a tough guy, threw, threw big shots, but didn't have that power to really stop Donaire from coming forward. Right. I, I think we're going to get much of the same. I think Donaire stops Badak, though. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he stops him, too. I think it'll be an exciting fight while it lasts. Hopefully, Donaire has something left in the tank to make a little bit of a run because hey. there are some exciting fights to make at 122. You always got to watch out for Mr. Left Hook, old Zolt Badak. Zolt Badak. <laughs> and that's a fact, Jack. All right, let's move on to news and notes. Vince, I got an email from an undisclosed source that I will not mention um, that Carl Frampton versus Leo Santa Cruz, which was 
tagged on to the end of that just amazing plethora of fights that was announced by Showtime and Steven Espinoza mm-hmm. that he is still patting himself on the back four. That Carl Frampton versus Leo Santa Cruz that was said to be finished even though no date was announced, a source tells the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast very close to Carl Frampton's camp that Frampton versus Santa Cruz is a long shot, and it would take a, a, a very much of a, a very big change in the type of offer that's already on the table, an 11th hour, last minute, just Hail Mary of an offer to get Frampton versus Santa Cruz to actually happen. And it looks like Frampton will take on Shingo Wake instead. Uh, I'm not surprised that Heyman left them out to dry. I'm really not surprised. I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I don't know what they were asking for money-wise, what they expected. I'm sure they got undercut. We've seen these, uh, these purses come way down for PBC fighters here lately. They probably didn't get the money they're looking for, want a little bit more, and Big Al ain't coming off it. So all of a sudden, Frampton's left dangling in the breeze. Now, I, I still, uh, look, it's fine. He's going to go down, keep, and fight Chingo Wake as, as a mandatory. I, I really just don't understand. I, they dropped the WBA belt, and they're not going to fight Rigo. I don't understand why they won't fight Rigo. It's frustrating to me. It, it, it makes people question them, and maybe rightfully so. I, I don't question Frampton as a fighter. He, t- he was trying to take a shot and move up and fight a champion at 126. If that doesn't deserve respect, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. He got left out to dry, so now he's kind of in this position where he's going to get this fight, and boy, is he going to get fried, Ken. Yes. People he, are, people are going to come at him. Of course they will. Of course they will. But They're going to think that he priced himself out and this was his doing. He never wanted to fight Santa Cruz. And he didn't want to fight Rigo. So he's looking for an easy payday in Wake. That's not the case, but that's what people are going to think. Yeah. I mean, on the surface, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. So there you have it. Here, breaking on the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, Source tells us directly that Frampton versus Santa Cruz is a long shot. would take a Hail Mary to bring this back to the table. And it looks like Carl Frampton's next fight will be against Shingo Wake. Fight Rigo, damn it. Yes, please. Por, you, can, you can beat them. Yes, por favor. <laughs> uh, June 11th, one announcement real quick, and we'll go ahead and close it here on episode 112. June 11th, HBO, MSG Theater, Vasily Lomachenko moves up to 130 pounds to take on Roman Rocky Martinez as Martinez looks to defend his WBO 130-pound belt against the 126-pound title holder. Say hello to your new 130-pound champion. Lomachenko much? Yeah. I yeah. mean, look, he, Martinez is a tough fighter. Lomachenko just too skilled, man. He's going to beat Martinez up. It's going to be pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I think it's going to be a rough, rough fight for Martinez. I would be surprised to see him last 10 rounds. <laughs> and, and don't think that Lomachenko is not hot on the heels of Mr. Salito for a little bit of payback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's exactly what this says. And uh, Felix Verdejo joins the party. Yeah. Didn't look so hot this past weekend. Yeah, I didn't see it, and I'm kind of scared to watch it because I got a I got a high opinion of my man, and I don't want to. St- <laughs> it's got to be. I got to view him the same way I view everybody. But uh, his his performances lately are starting to make me question if I if the ceiling is as high as I thought it actually was. Well, uh, hopefully they do good on what they've said prior that this will be a big step up fight. I'm hearing Jose Felix Jr. is not in the offerings. Um, for this opponent for June 11th. But hopefully Verdejo takes a step up. Hopefully he's just not interested in the level of fighter he's against. Yeah. Um, maybe it's the hand injury. 
All we know is many questions. The jury's still out on Felix Verdejo, but it looks like Lomachenko versus Rocky Martinez for the WBO 130, and Felix Verdejo joining the party against a well, an opponent to be determined. Hey, look, we, we saw Gilberto Ramirez look like crap for a few fights and get a shot and look great. I, I, I don't think that there's any reason to sound the alarm on Verdejo being a bust as a fighter by any means. No. He just so hit a little young. he's hit a little bump in the road. Trust me, this kid's got the the skills and talent to be there. Oh, no doubt, man. I mean, come on. This guy is barely twenty two years old. Yeah. Okay. Let's pump the brakes, but at the same time, let's see the progression. Yeah. All right, Vin, I guess that will do it for episode 112. But before we exit here and click the Raga music for y'all to get wild with, <laughs> um, we will be returning with the second edition of the Boxing Rant Live as Vince and I and some special guests may appear along the way. We'll be calling, uh, we'll, have, we'll deliver a little bit of a fight companion as we bring you Triple G versus Dominic Wade. Chocolatito versus McWilliams Arroyo. We will be discussing the fight live as it happens on theboxingrant.com and on Spreaker. Look for the links, Vin. We'll be tweeting them out all week long. Absolutely, man. Have a few cold ones. Shoot some shit during the fight. It'll man, be good. I, were you surprised at the response that we got to that Martin Joshua fight call? Yeah, man. I, look, that makes us have to do it again, right? Oh, absolutely. I was surprised that we would get 2,000 listens to us sitting here for a half hour with a special guest talking the fight as it happens. Sometimes they just don't want to listen to the guys that are on TV. Hey, I don't blame them. No, neither do Why I. Why wouldn't you want to listen to the sweet sounds of Ken and Vin? <laughs> sweet I wish I had like a bounce. No, I don't wish I had that. All right, <laughs> let's get out of here. Episode 112 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Drop by theboxingrant.com for the links to the Boxing Rant Live as Vin and myself deliver amongst special guests the fight call of Triple G Gennady Golovkin as he squares off against Dominic Wade. We'll be calling Chocolatito versus Arroyo as well on the next edition of the Boxing Rant Live. But you've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. For my co-host, Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter at VinceCummings81. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. We'll be back then. Episode 113, the Darrell Brothers back in action once Whoopee. again. <laughs> Whoop-dee, whoop-dee-doo. Badoo Jack versus Lucian Boutte. James DeGale versus Chunky Medina. Andre Berto versus Victor Ortiz and much, much more. So tune in to episode 113 for more action-packed analysis from the Pound for Pound King, the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.